everybody in the deacons meeting was, you know, up on it. And then he said that he'd like to have four men volunteer to uh, speak. Everybody kind of sat back in their chair like, uh, I don't think that was a very good idea. <laughs> All right. So, uh, but to use a phrase that Brother Parker has always said, like Henry, King Henry VIII told his sixth wife, I won't keep you very long. So, uh, but uh, many years ago, we had the, uh, we had the uh, uh, Baptist Men's Day, and Brother Parker, not Brother Parker, Brother uh, uh, Tommy Willis, he asked me back, and I remember just as good as anything, back in the choir room, or in the, what we used to call the choir room back here, if I would speak, and lucky enough, I was going to be out of town that day. And so I had a field trial down in Gainesville. And so all the way down there, while I was there and all the way back, all I could hear was Brother Tommy saying, Wes, could you speak Sunday? Just for a few minutes. And so coming back, I, I thought about it. And all the way back up, I just kept hearing him say that. And so I said, well, if he ever asked me again, I'll do it. He never asked. <laughs> so then when Brother Kerry brought it up that we were needed to have some men to speak, I, I knew the day that he said it that I would volunteer, but I didn't tell him that until last Sunday. And so I was hoping that Tracy would speak up, but he didn't. And then I thought maybe Myron would speak up, and he didn't. So uh, y'all are stuck with me tonight. <laughs> so, but uh, so I tonight I would like to, uh, you know, speak a little bit on decisions, and uh, you know, it's al always been something that I wish I could do was get up and speak, and I'm probably like a lot of you. If, if y'all ask me to talk about dogs or football, I could talk about dogs. Y'all would be asking me to quit because I could talk for hours on dogs and dog training and that kind of thing, or football, or, or why you shouldn't go to Georgia and should go to uh, FSU. And, but, you know, but it always goes back to, to all of that. And so I'm glad that we have brought Baptist Men's Day back, and we're looking forward to Myron and Tracy next year. And so, but uh, it's been... You know, a good thing for our church. I think everybody has really enjoyed it. And uh, tonight, I would like to, you know, say something, you know, about decisions or choices that we make in our life. And I may have to find my place where I'm supposed to be here because I talk more than I write. But, uh, uh, you know, we make choices every day. We make the choice as soon as we get up, what we're going to put on, what we're going to eat, what we're going to do, what we're going to do. Y'all got some big decisions tonight on who y'all going to vote for back there. So, uh, but we, we go through life making all kind of choices. They say that we have, in a day's time, the average person makes between 600 and 3,500 decisions before they go to bed. And uh, some of them may not be as good as others. And, uh, you know, so 
we, we decide, like I said, where we live, where we spend, and all that. The only, about the only thing that we don't have a choice in is in our parents. So Missy and Marcy, y'all are stuck. Y'all don't have a choice. So the uh, majority of our selections while on autopilot, as a matter of fact, we just kind of do it as a habit. We base our serious and careful decisions on knowledge, experience, and wisdom. We gain through experience, education, and personal advice. But there is an underlying determination that is more fundamental than establishing a firm foundation that leads to a sensible choice in everything that we do. As important as it is, it isn't based on knowledge or wisdom. Knowledge we gain by education, wisdom we gain by experience, and by learning from our mistakes as we go through life. <laughs> to, this, to do our character and definition our purpose, the standard of our values, and determine how we live life from day to day and where it will be at the end of our life. And most important, what we happen after that, no one sets out to make a bad decision. But sometimes one decision doesn't turn out the way we hoped it would. How many times have you looked back and said, if I'd only known what was going to happen? Eve made a bad decision in the garden. Adam went along with it. When you consider it objectively, you have known a lot of people that just don't seem to make good decisions in life. They opt for patterns, behaviors that are harmful and painful for themselves and others. As we see our TV programs today and hear on the news, read in the paper, or just run into it from day to day, we are seeing things now in our community that when I was a kid this age, we only saw on TV in New York, Los Angeles, Atlanta, and now it's in Cairo, Reno, and Calvert. And today, world is what is based for the best decisions. Proverbs 14:12 reveals a profound principle we have to consider. There's a way that seems right to man, but it ends in the way of death. That's a startling thought. At first, we might reject such an emotion, not willing to accept that it is our best, most careful, and reasonable choice will lead to death. But if the scripture is true, then there's something very important we need to do. Learn about making choices. There's a better way. If there's a better way, leads to life. And if there's a way that leads to life, how can we pursue it? The prophet Jeremiah put it this way. Oh Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in a man who walks in the direction he has his own steps. Oh, Lord, correct me, but with justice, not with your anger. At least you bring me to nothing. He also concluded that we do not have to be within ourselves to determine the best way to live, and he takes that thought one step further. It is God who gives us the correction and direction that we need. The bottom line is, when we follow God's way, instead of choosing our own, we will be in the position to make meaningful choices that impact our whole life. 
Psalms 121. Praise the Lord who delights greatly in his commandment. Of those thousands of decisions we constantly make, there's one decision, choice, that we need to make every day to choose life, to learn to fear and obey God, to whom we can receive wisdom and understanding. I heard one time that there was a man over where they had a flood, and he climbed up on top of the, his house, and a helicopter came by and offered to take him off. And he said, uh, no, the Lord will take care of me. And in a minute, it went off and it came back and said, come on, let us give you a ride. And he said, the Lord will take care of me. And before the helicopter came back the third time, it washed him off the house and he drowned. And when he went up to St. Peter, he said, uh, I'd always believed that the Lord would take care of me. And he said, I will take care of you. But I was there two times and you turned me down. So when the Lord speaks to us, let's don't turn him down. You know, in school, I always volunteered to go first. If you first, it doesn't matter. You just, you know, everybody forgot about you by the time. I told Wes, I said, the good thing is we got cake or we got desserts tonight. So nobody's going to remember what we say in about <laughs> 30 minutes anyway. So um, but anyway, um, let's uh, pray real quick and then we'll get started. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, just thank you for this opportunity to speak. I just uh, pray that you would just guide me as I... As I talk and share these words, dear God, and just open our hearts and our minds to uh, to what what you can share uh, through me, dear God. And I just uh, pray uh, your guidance in everything I do. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. So, I don't. A lot of you come on Wednesday night, but if you, for those of you who don't or who don't ever listen, kind of like Wes, there's things I like to talk about, and they typically either revolve around my kids or sports or something like that so <clears throat> you know and like y'all love us when Katie said who's going to speak you know I said ask Eli or and I think I think we threw Devin's name out there too so you know Wes so we've got the four speakers for next year Devin Eli Myron and and uh Tracy you know so I just want to get that out of the way next year so you, you got a year to come up with something um no pressure so <clears throat> so like anything though you know you sit there and you agree to do something I told Katie if you can't find anybody else I'll do it and so we drug on drug on and he finally I think last Sunday he's like hey ain't nobody else coming forward so I said okay <clears throat> so you know you immediately pray and it's like God you know if, if you got me into this then um and there's something there then make it easy you know give me something to say so um kind of a, a funny story but um you know the when you look at it you say what do people see you know when they look at us as individuals or our family or our church um <clears throat> you know we know what what they what we want them to see and we can dress that up. We can make people see what we want them to see. Um, but have you ever really thought about what a person's impression is from, from the outside looking in? 
you know, basically a person arrives to your house or to church or your work, and they observe. They're, they're constantly observing. We do that um, to people where, whether we know it or not. And, you know, what questions will they, will they have? Are you prepared to offer an explanation? Um, do you know uh, why you do what you do? And so, so the funny story is, so, so that's kind of painting the picture. So I was at the Cairo soccer game um, Tuesday. The boys were playing a playoff game, and we got to halftime, and I'm standing at the top talking to Tyler or um, whoever else. And um, this guy walks over to me, and you could tell, I mean, he was from out of town. He was from, from the opposing team. And so I'm standing at the, the top of the stadium, and he walks over. He's well-dressed, um, you know, Based off of his age, he was probably a grandfather of um, somebody off the opposing team. And so we're playing North Oconee, um, which is from Athens. So I'm like, you know, it's easy conversation. You know, I can talk football and, and um, you know, George football and how's Athens and all that. But he really – he when he approached me, he had some, he had some directed questions. And um, – you know, so we went through kind of the niceties of, um, of things and, you know, thanks for hosting us and everything. And so once he figured out that I was for sure from Cairo, he set out to figure out what's the heart of our community. And when I say that, I, I don't know if he was saying it in a positive way or a negative way, but, but either way, um, you know, that's, that's what he wanted to know. Um, you know, he had driven to town probably an hour earlier. Um, he arrived at a soccer game. He had watched for 40 minutes, and um, he, had, he had observed the game, the fans, and, and now he's, I guess, kind of want to know what's Cairo about. Um, and now he found an opportunity. So he had made the observation just like we do of people. So now he found somebody that he could talk to and, and test his observations, um, you know, it's in, in a matter of seconds, I, f- I found myself trying to describe our town, and it was not e- it was not the easy stuff. He didn't say, "Hey, where's where's the best chicken restaurant? You know, where's a good place to eat, or where's the gas station?" Those weren't the questions. He immediately went into. Um, I remember he opened his his kind of. Um, uh, conversation with this he said I admire the town's enthusiasm and then he said y'all have a nice facility but then he quickly transitioned he said is the crowd always like this is the whole town here he said I I noticed the demographics on your team are different than they are on our team Um, is this community open to outsiders like how do you feel that that team's different I mean, he, he was really cutting to the chase of, like, you know, what, what is Cairo about? <clears throat> and then he says, does your community like that? Talking about the demographics of, of, the, of our team. Um, he says, what do they do? Talking about their job. Do they make SERP? <laughs> <laughs> and so... Like I said, by that time, I'm trying to, you know, you're sitting there, and I'm trying to figure out, I mean, like, are you, are you complimenting our community? Or are you being negative to our community? Um, 
you know, so I described the jobs, you know, industry. Um, he said, so basically everybody just works in the community. Y'all, you know, y'all don't really go anywhere. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, you know, because I was saying they, people work in construction, people farm, you know, agriculture and, and everything. So, um, so then it's kind of like in this two-minute conversation, it's like, nice to meet you. Congratulations to your team for making it this far. And he goes back to his seat. So, I mean, halftime's only 10 minutes. So, literally, this conversation can only be two or three minutes. And I'm, so I'm standing there, and I'm just like, like, wow, you know, what just happened? You know, and, like, did I actually present our community correctly? Did I say, you know, truly, what is the heart of our community? And, um and it's like, what impression did I just give this man from out of town? And, you know, then it kind of terrified me. It's like, you know, um, what if somebody does that about your life? What if, what if somebody um, comes up to you and starts questioning you about your life? They observe you, and then they start asking you questions. Um, are you prepared to answer those questions? Like, what if that wasn't the town of Cairo? What, that, what if that was about me? Um, and literally, what if you were on the spot in a conversation with a stranger and he's questioning, you know, where you're at? And so I kind of took those questions and said, okay, let's, let's talk about that from, from a, a Christian perspective. You know, what happens in that situation? What are those, what are those questions? And so, um, so I kind of took that and and transitioned to, so somebody sees you at work, um, they see your Bible on the desk, or they come to your house, and there's a Bible sitting on the coffee table. You know, so it's like, I see that Bible there. Um, Are you a believer? You know, how often do you read it? Do you go to church? (laughs) You know, do you go every week, or do you just come on Christmas and Easter? And then what if they transition to this? You know, are you generous? Are you a generous person? Do you help people? And say, okay, I, yeah, you help people. It's like, well, just with your money or do you give your time? Do you just, do you just put money, on, a Band-Aid on it, or do you, do you spend your time doing it? Um, and then if you want to dig a little bit deeper, it, and I, I ask these because these are the questions I ask myself. <laughs> You know, it says, when was the last time you did something for someone? And then apply that to the church. Does your church do anything? When was the last time? What was it? You know, are you welcoming to strangers? Do you just want people that look like you? Is it always... in? You know, I knew we'd have a big crowd for men's ministry. You know, so I'm thinking, you know, going back to his, is it always enthusiastic? Is it always full? Is it, or is it dull? I mean, do we do we sit there during church service and, and just go through the motions? Um, you know, he commented on the facility. He says, you have a great facility. You know, we have a great church building. You know, you know but do we do anything with it? Um, is this everyone, or do we have other church members? 
So, you know, it's like what impression do we make and are we prepared to answer, to provide answers for what people see in our lives, in our family, in our church? Like, do we truly question and, and are we prepared? And that's when that guy was talking to me, it was just like literally trying to run through and get those answers. And as much as I want to paint a picture of what the heart of Cairo is, you start and say, is that the truth? So are you telling them the truth? Are you telling them what you want people to think about your community? And there again, turning that back into yourself, your church, your family. Um, So when we look at scripture and say, okay, well, that's, that's good. You know, like, what's an example of being prepared what's what's that look like and if you look back at acts um chapter six um we're talking about stephen and so when you look at stephen and you talk about somebody that's prepared so so just in chapter six basically stephen and we don't i don't think we know how long but stephen's been anointed as as a uh, as an apostle um so so he's joined uh, with the disciples at this point. And, and then all of a sudden, you move into, like, um, verse 8, and Stephen's having this conversation. He's getting challenged. Um, it says, these men begin to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, we have heard Stephen speak words of blasphemy, blasphemy against Moses and against God. So we quickly see, you know, Stephen's basically debating. He gets an argument, kind of like same thing. Somebody's approached him. Somebody said, you know, what are you about? What do you believe on these subjects? And and he obviously knew what he believed, and he presented that. And so the the people were offended, or these men were offended, and quickly. Um, it escalated into the fact that they were actually providing false testimony. So, so in, in chapter seven, Stephen ends up in front of the Sanhedrin, and it says in verse one, it says, um, "It says, then the high priest asked him, are these charges true?'" And I think Stephen wanted that. I think he, you know. Like where I'm sitting here saying, what questions is are some is somebody asking me, and am I prepared, and am I scared? I think Stephen was sitting there like, that's great. I've got God's put me in a place. I've got an audience. You want to ask a question? I've got an answer. And um, so in verse two it says, to this he replied, brothers and fathers, listen to me. The glory of God appeared to our father, Abraham, while he was still in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran. Leave your country, your people, God said, and go to the land I will show you. So if you look at chapter 7, basically in Acts chapter 7, that's the whole thing that that Stephen presents. He basically goes through from... um, from Abraham all the way to Jesus' death and resurrection in a matter of, like, 53 verses, (laughs) you know. And that's pretty impressive. So you talk about somebody who was prepared. He gets his opportunity, and what happens to be his last opportunity, but he's like, you want to know the question. You ask the question, are these charges true? 
he didn't answer the question. He presented the facts. Um, he didn't he didn't deviate from the truth. He he presented it and laid it out verse by verse. And um, so you get through chapter seven, or you get to the end of chapter seven, and um, after he presents everything, and then we get to the stoning of Stephen. So. Like I said, this is his one opportunity, or his last opportunity. And so we get to verse 54. It says, when they heard this, so after he presents all the facts, all the way up to to Jesus' crucifixion and, and resurrection, it says, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Um, so there he went. So Stephen took that opportunity. He was prepared. And then if you look at the very last line of chapter 7, it says, And Saul was there giving, his, giving approval to his death. You know, I guess that's one thing on Wednesday night. Um, I guess that that it's kind of it's challenging, you know. As you look and you say, like, why is everything in the Bible that's in the Bible? Like we were talking the other night, and I think it was uh, in John, and and it talked about Peter, and so they caught 153 fish. <laughs> it's kind of like why why is 153 fish in in there in that scripture? But but there's no detail in the Bible that's not important, and. So when we look at the life of Stephen, it kind of it, it kind of wraps up with, and Saul was there giving approval um, to to his death. So in all that, Stephen's testimony, as important as his testimony was, as important as as his life was, you've got Saul sitting there that just witnessed Stephen present all this to the fact to the point of his death, and how much of an impact did that have on Saul? So going back to my um, my questions, when you get when somebody observes your life and they and they go through it and they chip away at what are you at as an individual and as a family and as a church, you know, we're having an impact whether it's positive or negative on people. Just like Stephen, I don't think he sat there and said, you know, my life's going to be an example for Saul, who's going to go on to to be to write, you know, half the New Testament books, but that's what he did, you know. So every time we're we're living our life, and as we go through our daily walk, you know, are we given that um, that effort and that and and living our life in a way that that we can impact somebody? And what if in in, in today's world, it's a reality. What if that's our last witness? What if what we say offends somebody, and that is our last? last witness because that's that's how the world today works i mean we don't have the confidence that that we're not going to offend anybody um in what we say and how we present our our christian walk so um so it's in wrapping up it's like how do we do that so it's like well we've so we've got an example of stephen um and, but if we look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, um, to me this really summarizes um, up 
you know, what are we supposed to do as an individual, as a Christian? Um, what does that look like? And Colossians um, basically in chapter 3, verses 23, it says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know what you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. So, you know, there again, do we do everything? Um, do we put our heart in everything that we do? And are we working for the Lord with everything that we do? You know, because people are watching, people ask questions. And so, and the reality is, is we're making making an impression um, regardless. So, um, I guess, so my challenge to myself is, is, be prepared, just like I can. I want to defend Cairo. You know, everybody's competitive, right? We're fixing to go back, and we're going to compete with desserts. And there's going to be a winner, and there's going to be a loser. You know, but and you know, but we always want to compete. But it's like that same thing that drives us to um, to compete. That's the same thing that we can use to to compete and defend our faith. That's you know. Do we do it in the same way? Are we prepared? Do we train? Um, I often use the example of, of Noah. And, you know, there's there's training that you do when you're when you're young. There's training that you do at high school. And then there's training you do when you get to college. And there's training that you do when you win national championships. And, you know, you look at the time and the effort that it takes to be successful – but do we give that same time and effort to be successful with our Christian walk? And it's just just like Jason presented this morning. You know, it's always funny how you get four speakers and nobody talks exactly on the same thing, but somehow they all kind of, you know, tie together. You know, it's like, you know, where are we in our walk? And do we do we need to come back? Do we need to refocus our lives? And do we need to be more prepared? And, and that's really the challenge to myself was when that man approached me in that stadium, I was prepared to for some niceties and maybe tell him to go to Mr. Chick afterwards and eat after we beat him, but we ended up losing. <laughs> so, you know, but, but that's, that's really, you know, um, kind of where you're at. But that's – but I ended up getting challenged, you know, and that man probably – I'll never see him again – but, you know, but that's what, um, to me, that's what he was questioning is, is what is your heart? Who are you? And, and really that's, that's what people are looking at, at us for. What is our heart as a Christian and what are we going to do with our walk? So that's what I've got. That's it. So. <laughs>